Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome to a new year. I cannot believe how much time has passed since I started this podcast uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, so here we are, 100 plus episodes into this. Thanks for checking me out. Thanks for sticking with me. And of course, although I haven't talked about it, you've probably noticed if you've been loyal and many of the people that listen are. And thank you for that. Uh, But in the last uh, end of 2022, I um, ended up inserting uh, ads into the podcast and I did so in a way to continue to offer you free parenting advice uh, without you having to subscribe or pay. So um, I hope you're all good with that. I hope that all works out for everybody. And we're back for another great year. Um, And a big shout out to uh, Max, who is my sound editor and uh, for the team at uh, H2O Digital, who helped me promote this on my social media. Uh, And thank you. Thank you, the listeners, for um, sticking with me, for for liking, sharing, which is super important to me, and sending in your questions. Today is another Q&A. So we begin our year with some help. Let me begin with a tantalizing topic. Um, this is actually from a uh, um, uh, email that was sent to me um, anonymously, obviously, every time on my podcast. But this is definitely somebody who has shared with me in the email that she's somebody who has been following Adlerian psychology since her kids were very young, uh, 2006. Uh, so we've been on a long journey together. And um, she is writing me to talk about her 17-year-old son, who she has discovered is um, living at home at 17, and he is uh, watching porn. And 
she wants to have like the appropriate response for how does she handle this well i think for anyone listening you know that um a porn is everywhere and that in this day and age it's um very difficult to uh keep porn out of our kids life in terms of exposure that exposure is getting younger and younger and the content of porn is changing over time so as i say this is not your grandfather's porn this is not like looking at the penthouse magazines at the gas station this is not like um uh you know i remember had these little silly pens these pens that were filled with a fluid where if you turned the pen upside down it had like a pinup girl on it and the the um top of her bikini would slide off and that was considered you know erotica that you would see somebody's nipples <laughs> like if you haven't seen porn lately people you don't know what's going on out there uh and um so yes our kids are seeing porn younger and younger 10, 11, 12 year olds. So the fact that he's 17 and uh, of course, like every other teen, he's wired and that's part of the digital world. And it's very much like having a 17 year old and knowing that there's liquor stores and there are cannabis stores and all of these things, the world is all available to our kids. And so how do we help them navigate this world? Because we can't put tracking devices on them. We can't lock their hands and cuffs. That's, that's never gonna work, right? That's the whole point of Adlerian psychology, which is we never use control we don't use punitive methods we're trying to raise our kids in a way that helps them self-actualize be able to face the challenges of life to get on with using their talents for the betterment of other people and not to get into avoiding neurotic behaviors so you know a curiosity is is one thing um and so all our kids are going to check this out but it's conversation then about what's that about for you and of course it's curious and of course it's stimulating and it's designed to keep you engaged it's designed to set off your dopaminic dopa your dopamine reward centers that's exactly why it's so good and so effective <clears throat> but i th really think education becomes a huge part of this and so how are we going to educate our kids if they think we're lecturing or moralizing or judging them? We won't have their ear. And this is why I say we always have to position ourselves not to be our kids' friends. You're not your kids' friends. You're the leader of the family. It's a very different role. But as a leader and as somebody who is guiding the child, I like that word much better than discipline. Um, we guide the child on how to navigate the life that they are supplanted in and the life they're supplanted in right now is one that includes free access to porn any hour of any day on any handheld device anywhere they go and so how do we help them understand that how do we help them learn the trials and tribulations and 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 understand it so it's the power of the relationship that gives you the child's ear so that they might hear what you have to say and be influenced by what you're talking about that you have some credibility that you come from a place of caring that this isn't about talking about sex in the sense that you're old fashioned and a prude and um, you know, that you're infantilizing them. It's not that at all. Where it's like, okay, so, you know, let's, let's talk about what goes on with, with porn and why I have concerns. And if they, if you don't have their ear, if you don't have the relationship and they're not going to take the information in from you from an educational point of view, at least point them to other third parties that have, you know, credible information. So I will put in the show notes. I think one of the better ones is um, truthaboutporn.com. And so really it's about debunking what's happening there and trying to get them to be, um, almost like a social a social activist around this which is like you 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 do understand what's happening here 
there is a very large, you know, big porn conglomerate, just the same way that we have, um, or, you know, if you haven't been apprised to it, it's kind of like fighting big pharma or agribusiness or some of these other things that have lost what they were with integrity and morality trying to do for humankind and just basically going for a profit and doing it in any way that they can. They know what sells, they know what creates sticky eyeballs. Um, they don't care about your sexual well-being and development. They don't care about your future relationships. They just want more money, more money for shareholders at any expense. And there's a huge amount of expense. So of course you're interested in that. We're wired to be sexual beings. We're wired to be curious. We, we you know, we we want novelty. And certainly in the teen years, our brains uh, are uh, have more dopamine receptors and sensitivity. So we're particularly more prone to that. But here's the problem when we become, you know, the, here's where we want to talk about, here's the downsides about that which is like other behaviors like gambling um, and other things that work on the dopamine receptors of the brain and the reward circuitry, it does become a behavioral addiction. And it means that you need more of it. And it means it needs more for you to, to get the same le level of pleasure around it. And it means that when you get into real time relationships, um, men often experience erectile dysfunction because in real life they they don't look the, the camera angles and the beautiful women and all those things don't look the same when you're actually in a, a relationship trying to be sexual with a partner i'm saying women but you know women women men men whatever you're, you're polyamorous everything's good to go but the truth is what you do in real life that's negotiated with people is not the same as what's being portrayed from an entertainment dollar generating point of view on screen. So we end up with people that end up being having erectile dysfunction, not being satisfied in their real life relationships, which is really what you have for the rest of your life. Um, and it's an important part of um, the uh, the um, um, oxytocin bonding uh, hormone system. So it's a different part of the brain that lights up when you watch porn than, than when you're in an intimate relationship with a partner. So um, we also know, and this has been well studied in research, and you can get the data again on these websites, that because of the portrayal of what it, we're, is seeing in common porn now, uh, it is actually uh, very, um, it moves, it, it connects sex with violence, unfortunately. And uh, that connection objectifies one person, uh, often women. So what we see is that there is an increase in rape and violence against women as this becomes habituated, normalized, and modeled for our um, young men. And often these women that are uh, in the, the uh, porn industry as the porn stars, um, these people have also uh, come from backgrounds where they might have a drug addiction or sexual abuse. Um, and um, this has become an outlet uh, that they aren't necessarily going into quite willingly. Um, that uh, we see that increase in porn also increases sex trafficking as people need to generate content. It's growing the sex trade. So I'm very sex positive. I believe in a lot of things that um, some other people wouldn't in terms of my liberal views around that. I do believe there's lots of people that are happy in this, in the um, sex trade. And um, so I don't want to victimize anyone who's going about this willingly. So there is that sector of the market, um, certainly in marriage counseling, when we're trying to rekindle um, the sexual part of a relationship, there's often the homework of, of watching some appropriate 
erotica. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not anti that, but mostly what our kids are doing is, is going online and, and getting content that doesn't meet those qualifications. They don't have a, they aren't in a relationship in a, in a brain with a goal that's directed towards that. So just want to be really clear about that. So this is really about, do you have a relationship where your kid can uh, have you hear about your concerns about it, just as you would about gambling, just as you would about uh, uh, other addictive substances. This is an addictive behavior situation and the long-term consequences of it. So it's not about being prudish. It's not, it's not really uh, about sex per se. Um, it's about going down the slippery slope of addiction and um, having our attitudes shaped by things that we might not realize are shaping our attitudes. So that's what I would want to talk about. Now, I know that you and I had a little discussion back and forth about this because I knew it was a bit till I was going to do the podcast. And you were also asking about whether or not from a consequence point of view, whether or not you could limit the the Wi-Fi using the Wi-Fi responsibly. And, I, you know, I think that's something that you could absolutely have um, a conversation about, which is, um, you know, when if uh, there is content coming into your house that you think is inappropriate and it's coming through the portal that you're paying for and you're paying for the Wi-Fi, even when people go into incognito modes, and I, again, I'm I'm not your biggest tech person, um, but I would definitely say that we have a misunderstanding of how information is collected and used, and how information is put into our streams. And um, you know, you can say, "Listen, I, I mean, in the in the old days, it was like you can't go surfing for that stuff on Dad's computer because that's his work computer, and if that content gets found, uh, you know, that could be reason for dismissal at some companies, depending on what you watch and what's seen and stored there." Um, and I, I've, I've got stories about some of these sad accidents, but you know, you can say, listen, incognito or not, I don't need those, those cookies. I don't need, um, this computer to know, I don't need my Wi-Fi address to, to be associated with, um, things that are probably happening, um, illegally and whatever. And so, yeah, I think, I think you could make a case for saying, um, not on the family Wi-Fi plan. If you want to do your own Wi-Fi, that's your pocket, that's your money, that's your decision, but you can't, I mean, the idea here is you can't actually block kids. If they're not going to see it at home, they're going to see it at a friend's. If they're not going to do it on your account, they're going to do it on someone else's account. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a stance on what I'm okay with and why, and then I'm going to walk my talk. And so if that's like, you know, listen, you do what you want on your dollar, on your Wi-Fi account, but not on mine, I, I, I can't abide. And, and I would say that about other things, you know, I, I probably do that if somebody was downloading stuff that I thought was, um, um, hate crimes and racist stuff, I might say, you know what, I don't want those cookies. I don't, I don't want my browser to or my Wi-Fi to know that you've been to Andrew Tate's site or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I'm concerned about that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put my dollar towards that. I, I vote with my clicks. I vote with my with my viewing habits. I vote with where my Wi-Fi goes and, and I don't want to vote in that direction. So you're on your own there. Um, but it's got to come from, from a place of education. And hopefully we have that strong, solid, uh, relationship so that we can explore what that's about for them. So I hope that helps. Uh, and I hope just want to thank you for being vulnerable and asking that question, because I think there's a lot of parents who are uh, in the same situation. And I hope that was a satisfying answer for you, at least for next steps. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, let's go on to this. I always, when we you know, talk about some of the teen stuff that seems so scary, then it always seems so great to go to the younger kids. <laughs> the parents are like, oh my God, what's coming down the pipe? Okay, so here we are. I've got somebody who's got a six-year-old. So, um, so I'm looking for some advice on how to react to my almost six-year-old when he gets frustrated. He's generally very good temperament and is very sweet and kind. But every so often, if things don't go the way he likes, he does a complete 180 furrows his brow or stomps his feet and expresses, I feel so frustrated or I am so mad. I didn't want that to happen. There are, of course, normal emotions that we all feel and kudos to the kid for being able to express them accurately. And I agree. That was written by the, the parent. I'm just wondering what my script is back when he has these moments. I'm usually a bit of empathy and diversion of like, oh man, that can be frustrating when your sister has a play date and you don't. Do you want to play some blocks with me? And it usually works. I'm more curious about the foot stamping and the sudden ex excessive angry behavior and the proper words to help address him work through those feelings and actions. Well, um, first of all, I completely agree with you. You got a six-year-old that can put language and the way that he expresses himself is verbally and, and only furrowing his brow and stamping his feet. I think that's amazing emotional regulation and emotional maturity for that age. And I think that your response back to him, that active listening, um, being able to say back to him what he's experiencing and tagging and naming the emotion of, of, that's associated with it, you are doing a wonderful job. So part of me is like, oh my God, you are really finessing the details on this. Dear God. So what's that about? Like, like are you just, I'm just checking in. I don't know you. This is anonymous. I don't know. But um <clears throat> Do you really want things to go absolutely perfectly? Are you a perfectionist? This is like really getting down to the putting the bow on the, on, because I think the important thing to know here is we want our kids to know that all emotions are acceptable and that we are adult enough in our parenting role to be able to hold space for all emotions that our children have that too often we send a message to our kids that we can hold their big, happy emotions, but we're not so okay with them expressing their, neg their negative emotions. Emotions are like the colors of the rainbow and all of them are okay. Feeling them is fine. What's important is how we express them and that we do it in a way that is healthy, respectful, doesn't hurt other people. And so the fact that he is stamping his feet is uh, that's a good expression of, of anger. <laughs> Unless you live in a apartment building and you don't want him to disturb the people below, um, in which case you might want him to like squeeze a pillow or something. 
but it is okay to express emotions. It's not, you can't disturb other people. You can't hurt other people. You can't hit other people. You can't spit on other people. You can't punch or pinch other people. But I think stamping your feet is absolutely fine. Uh, I think that's a good, safe expression and that he's putting language to it, I think is absolutely fine. Um, so, so I don't think there's any correction. He, he doesn't need to improve upon what he's doing. I will say for people, and, and notice that I didn't say hitting a, a, a hitting a pillow, there's a lot of kids who will be upset and then p- parents will say like, well, go hit a pillow or whatever. And, you know, there's a difference between expressing your anger that's there and practicing. See, the thing is, when a, an actual emotion really has a half-life from when it arises to when it gets fully metabolized and experienced from the from an attentional point of view and like a thought cloud of a thought and a behavior and an emotion you know maybe somewhere between 30 and 90 seconds so you actually have to keep a negative emotion alive by ruminating on like i hate her i hate her i hate her i hate her i hate him i hate him i want you know why me um and if you sit there and punch a pillow and punch a pillow you're kind of rehearsing violence you're you're perpetuating something that otherwise would metabolize and pass so like i'm not a big fan not a big fan of the go hit a pillow thing uh there's a lot of kids that would never think to strike i'm always interested in like how did you learn about hitting um like pinching how do kids learn to pinch we don't in our culture, we don't pinch kids. We're more likely to slap, spank. Again, I'm, I'm not. I'm not condoning this at all. I'm just saying that I have worked in multicultural classrooms, and different cultures have different ways of punishing their kids. And I'm telling you, kids don't come up with pinching on their own. Kids who pinch other kids in a classroom have been pinched at home. Kids that punch other kids have been punched at home. They don't come up with that on their own. So I don't want to teach and model that stuff. Um, you know, if they're, I think stamping your feet is something that most kids would, would discover, um, you know, from an explosion, motor explosion kind of a thing. Um, but I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything more to do here, except for to take the pressure off yourself that you don't have to be perfect in every single situation. I think you're, I think you're handling this just really well. And I think he is developing absolutely fine. And, um, keep up the great work and hopefully your um, question helped some other people out there as well all right here's our last one for the day my daughter is 12 years old and i worry that she's not fitting in socially with peers i'm not sure if it's since covid i feel like prior to covid she it wasn't an issue but she was also younger so maybe it was always there just not as evident as it is now that she's older The other night, our daughter tearfully said that she was worried she was weird and that other people won't and don't like her. How should I approach this? Not sure how to help her and what to say. Also, should I look into professional help? So from what what you're telling me, the first thing that comes to mind is stop worrying. And I say that with all kinds of loving kindness to you. I can hear your worry in, in, in this email and the fact that you're asking is this significant enough for professional help, which I, you know, again, it's great that you're going to look for resources and that we're destigmatizing reaching out for help. But I also think that we can't pathologize regular childhood experiences. When we worry about our kids not being able to navigate the, the regular, um, highs and lows, challenges and hustle and bustles of things that are required of our, of life, Um, when we worry, it shows, I know you might think I would never say this to her. I would never talk like this to her. This is just me emailing you anonymously. 
But it honestly, I think the hold true to the idea that if you're feeling it on the inside, that your truth, your personal truth that you're worried does end up quietly being communicated to your kid. It might not through your words, maybe, but maybe through your furrowed brow or maybe the fact that, you know, you pity her or, you know, when someone finally accepts a play date and you didn't really want to drive them there, you know, that you do because you're worried she doesn't have friends or like, I'm telling you, when we really do feel concerned or worried or whatever about our kids, it comes out in some way that they pick up on it. And so I don't want her to pick up on this idea of, oh my gosh, my mom is actually also worried about me. So maybe I am weird. Maybe something is off the the rails. Maybe there is something different about me. Even my mother is worried. No, I want to break that and, and, and not validate and perpetuate the worry that your own child has about her weirdness and being liked and, and accepted. Instead, I want to be that leader in the family that is willing to not belittle or negate her feelings, but to be able to have compassion. I'm so sorry that you're feeling that right now. Um, But you do it with this absolute feeling of like, my child is absolutely lovable, valuable, wonderful, likable. Right now, she's just struggling with believing that herself, but I'm not going to get pulled into her lack of confidence over herself. And to know developmentally, and as you said, part of it's her age, part of it's the pandemic, but adolescence developmentally is a time for a heightened need for peer acceptance and approval. That is wired right into into, um, the brain chemistry. And it means that they're also very hypervigilant, not only for acceptance, but they're also hypervigilant to disapproval. So something very neutral that she might not have noticed in the past, two people are talking at a table and they're not making eye contact with her. She might misattribute to being there talking about me. They don't like me. They didn't come sit with me. They they read into things uh, more social rejection than the situation actually requires. And it's also a time developmentally when kids are changing up friend groups a lot and they're trying on new identities. It's very volatile. It's very rapid. You could be at the popular table one day and then have a frenemy the next and they're locking you in the bathroom stall. And um, there's so much drama that goes on. And so this period does pass. And um, I I think that COVID heightened the confusion. I think it, um, it heightened the paranoia as things got more discombobulated. Uh, in terms of trying to read the room and who's who's with who and what's in and what's out. And I think that made things um, more difficult. But the important thing for her to know is as she comes to you with her complaints and you hug her and you say she's incredibly lovable, um, reminder of her past friendships. I, there's no way she would have made it this long with a friendship problem than you not noticing it. So don't worry about that. So remind her, wait just a second here. You've had all kinds of great friendships. You're a wonderful friend. What makes a good friend? What's evidence of that in your past that you are a good friend? You know, remember Sadie? You know, um, you were very kind to her. You were very generous with her. You always looked out for her. Um, you know, just mention all the things that were right and successful and healthy, good relationships and how she's had them in the past. And then her feeling of weirdness. Weird is such a judgmental word. Catch her in that. Catch the negative self-talk. Why are you calling yourself weird? That carries judgment. You are authentic. You are your own person. 
you are evolving into exactly who you are meant to be. Now, if that makes you feel like you're not like other people, who are you comparing yourself to? If everybody was exactly the same, we would all be robots. We would all be redundant. The truth is you are self-actualizing into all your unique wonderfulness. And if there are things about you that don't fit the mold of the other people that you're hanging around with, it means you haven't found your tribe yet. You haven't found your people. If you're into Marvel comics, then you got to find your Marvel comic people. And if you are into music, then you got to find your people that are into your style of music. If you're into athletics, whatever it is, find your people, find your like-minded people that have the same interests, the same values, the same hobbies, um, the same attitudes. And it could just be that your school has a certain youth culture that is doesn't align with you. So if you feel like you're the minority or the outsider, that doesn't mean you're wrong or weird. It means you haven't found the right group to supplant yourself in. And it's okay to be discriminating. And it's okay to, to say, I am like this and this is wonderful. And I just need to find more people that like this version of me, that honor this version of me. And I don't need to change one iota. I don't want to lose my, I don't like the word weirdness at all. I don't need to lose any part of myself because if you do, in the name of trying to fit into the friend group, in the name of trying to fit into what the dominant values are. So what do you do? You end up getting friends, but they're fake friends because you're living superficially. And worst of all, you've lost your own relationship with yourself. You lose your soul. You lose yourself. So it might look superficially like, oh, look, I'm doing what they're doing. I've got friends. But you're just going through a ritual that will, in the end, become soul sucking. And that will lead to a disconnect. And that disconnect will lead to this deeper version of of feeling sad and depressed and, and isolated. It's it's a fast fix that doesn't really work. So you're lovable, you're likable, you're wonderful. Keeping you, keep finding your identity, keep finding people that love you just the way you are, keep finding your tribe, keep finding your people, that's it. And if you can't find them at your high school, find them in extracurriculars or find them in hobbies or find them in um, groups online that follow the same kinds of things that you do. And it's from that, like your your day will come. So a lot of times in adolescence where we take our Scrabble tiles and we throw all the letters in and we have to draw seven new tiles from the bag. Uh, and the other thing is we don't need a whole lot of friends. There's a there's um, a, a lot of confusion with our kids about what it is to be popular and how many friends you need to have. It's it's not the followers. It's not the likes. It's, it's not that at all. Um, most people have two or three really deep confidants. And so long as you have, you know, one or that you can make one, so long as you've got people in your tribe... It might be rekindling relationships with friends from camp before the pandemic. It might be hanging out with your cousins who's, who've got friends the same age that go to a different high school and, or a different middle school. And so you start hanging out with them. Um, you know, you, you might have to work a little harder to like, where would these people be hanging out? Where would all the Harry Potter fans be? <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. Uh, and and make a, a strategy for finding your people. And that's the same at 12 and 13 as it is for people in their 40s and 50s. You know, you move to a new town or you get divorced and you lose some of your friend set. Um, you know, we all need to be strategic about how do we how do we find our people and um, um, and make an active strategy as opposed to sitting there and waiting for people to find us. It doesn't doesn't happen that way. Their energy has to be put into this into the system strategically and not with a conclusion that there must be something wrong with me when I'm in between friend groups, which is it sounds like what she is right now. She's in between. She's in a dry spell. 
And there's nothing about being in that dry spell that says that she isn't going to repopulate her world. So have faith in her. Um, remind her of all her good, good juiciness and what a healthy friendship looks like and ones she's had in the past and where she might seek one out in the future. So on that note, thank you for the questions. We'll have another Q&A. We've got more guests coming up. Please, I hope you are signed up for my e-newsletter because at the end of this month, I will be posting some information on upcoming courses. And if you want to get to the head of the line, because some of these sell out, be on my e-newsletter list because I always give first opportunity for registration to the people on my newsletter. Uh, and signing up for that newsletter also gives you a free downloadable handout PDF of home responsibilities by age. So if you're kicking off the new year by saying, by gum, my kids need to do more around here, but you're not quite sure what to ask them to do and what's age appropriate you know what can you ask an eight-year-old to do what are 10-year-olds typically doing this list will help you out so check out my e-newsletter at allisonshafer.com catch you next time as you know it takes a village to make a podcast so thanks to my team including max cotter my editor and technician as well as the crew at h2o digital this podcast was recorded in toronto canada we acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.